0: So let's get familiar with uh, Shannon Bennett. He's one of Australia's most loved and most famous chefs. Um, he's most commonly known as the head chef for uh, Melbourne restaurant, Vue de Monde. I had to ask him about the pronunciation because uh, parlez-vous français? No, I don't speak French. And he's also known as a guest judge and mentor on and MasterChef Australia. How are you doing, Shannon?
1: I'm great, yeah. Did
0: I pass for that pronunciation?
1: Passed, yeah. Ten out of ten.
0: View demand. View the world.
1: (laughs) View of the world, that's right. View of the world. Fantastic.
0: Great to have you here.
1: Yeah, great to be here.
0: Um, We have a lot of MasterChef Australia fans in Mm -hmm. South Africa. You've been meeting a lot of them, no doubt.
1: I have. I didn't realize how popular it was over here. It's incredible. We walk down the street and... I'd say at least three or four out of ten people you pass uh, recognize you. So um, going over to the Woolworths earlier, yeah. uh, it takes an extra ten minutes. You take a few photos and have a chat to everyone, and everyone's so proud here as well. They all the the same line is, you know, welcome to our country, which is amazing.
0: Absolutely, that's just so beautiful. I was speaking to Lee Kennedy, um, the project manager from Sun International, and she whispered just off the side to say, "Oh, uh, Shannon's coming as your Friday profile. Guess what? His." cooking with experience was the first to sell out did you know that
1: uh, yeah I, I was told yesterday and it's uh yeah it's a, it's a real honor that um and a real pressure now too we've, yeah. got, we've got a lot to do so um with those experiences you try to get around to as many of the you know the participants as possible um, so they get this experience of actually learning a new skill and learning it with you, and yes. hopefully they all walk away with a bit of confidence because cooking really is confidence. That's what it's right. about.
0: Right. It yeah. is yeah. a big part of it, right?
1: Totally, totally. If you love to eat, then um, you're going to be a good cook. It's just a matter of just relaxing, um, letting all your inhibitions drop, and then just... <laughs> Recipes should be simple. Um, a, a really good chef or a good cook is a curator of ingredients. Yeah. And all you need to do is just make sure you understand the ingredient, you respect it, and try and keep it simple.
0: I just love that description. Um, because after that, then, you curate your ingredients, so then you lay out... The best plan possible about how to execute because it's in the execution. I've seen people really get flustered around even making breakfast. About okay, what, what if you make the eggs first? It's all messed up. So you need to know the order of what you're doing when. Um, so there's this plan as well that needs to yeah. be thought out.
1: Well, that comes from um, eating. If you if you enjoy eating and you take your time to really explore a meal and you um, let your senses take over and tell you why you enjoy it you sort of know then that the eggs need to be cooked last and Mm -hmm. everything else can sort of be held or kept warm or even just room temperature and that's one thing actually that I try to teach a lot of people when you're cooking a meal um, you should room temperature there's nothing wrong with that it's, it's all about, as long as like for, for like a piece of fish, that's the final thing that you're going to be cooking and concentrating on. Yeah. Everything else around it can be room temperature. Great. And as long as that fish is perfectly cooked, everything harmonises nicely. Great. So you just don't panic, yeah.
0: I don't know, I always like to see the steam rising off a plate.
1: No, that normally means that you've destroyed a lot of the of the <laughs> ingredients, so particularly like you know broccoli and things like that. Yeah. You've got beautiful green broccoli, it means it's going to have to have a little bit of crunch to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so those sorts of things, uh, I suppose they come with experience, but I think that you just start that base where don't start in the kitchen, start on the table and start uh, going out to favourite restaurants. and They don't have to be complex restaurants. No. just and. Explore why you like going to those restaurants. Why do you like the food?
0: Right. Now, I'm curious. You're going to be doing book signing um, because you've got, what, eight books? It's, it's
1: well, I've got actually, there's an issue. Uh, I think there's seven books. Seven. Uh, but I don't have any here. I've got 30 to give away over the weekend. Oh, uh, wow. And all the rest have sold out. I'm exploring new ideas about a couple of books at the moment and right. rewriting my first book, which was called My View.
0: Why is it a, being rewritten?
1: Because. Um, At the time it was a recipe book. I really wanted to explore obviously as many of the recipes and the repertoire as possible of mostly where I'd cooked overseas and through my apprenticeship. And so this time though the story is more important than the recipes in my opinion. Right. We can get so many recipes off the internet now that I think people look at books, particularly young chefs, they look at the books that I've written and they see um, something where they just want a bit of guidance. How how do I um, go from being an apprentice chef all the way to owning my own restaurant? Right. And for me looking at it now, it looks so much harder to get to your own restaurant stage. Mm -hmm. Just there's so much more complexities and so many more interrupters than there was when I was actually growing up and being a a passionate young chef.
0: Oh, there's so much to talk about out of what you've just said. How important is apprenticeship? Because you had your apprenticeship, you completed it at the Grand Hyatt in Melbourne, um, and then you worked overseas, and you returned, of course, to establish your restaurant. Uh, But the building blocks to a successful chef career, what do you think are some of the most important?
1: Um, Well, I think it's it's non-distraction. It's about why you become a chef. It's you learning a trade. So you need to learn the skills and the basics. Mm -hmm. And an apprenticeship seems to me now to be rushed. There seems to be this real anguish that you have to get through your apprenticeship quickly. And you miss a lot of skills because the world, the way globalization has happened now is that most hotels were obviously where I did my apprenticeship. We had our own bakery. We had our own pastry department. We had our own commissary where you learn all the cold preparation and fish preparation. All of that in most hotels now is outsourced. Mm-hmm. So your apprenticeship now is condensed into only finishing dishes and potentially working in a fine dining environment if, if the hotel even has a fine dining restaurant anymore. Yeah. So you need to explore. You can't stay in the same place anymore now for your three- or four-year apprenticeship or learning program. You have to go and search it out. And it takes a lot to do that, or you need someone to guide you, to be telling you, hey, now it's time to go and do six months pastry. Here's a really good pastry shop or a really good patissier you need to go and work at. Yes. And so it's a lot more motivation, a lot harder for... I don't think I would have been able to do that when I was younger, to go out and source six or seven different places to work. Over a four year period, it's just yeah. too daunting. Yeah. And so, but that's what you've got to do now. You've got to be much more hungry, you've got to be much more entrepreneurial at a young age to really succeed and get the knowledge you need.
0: Mm, so, let's look at your years of apprenticeship because kitchens are tough places. Mm. they're really really tough places they desire they they require a lot of focus um there is a structure that needs to be adhered to uh so that because you're working as a collective but at the same time you need to shine you need to focus on your skills so it's about self-improvement at the same time even though you're working within a broader team but what do you recall of those years
1: um they were amazing they were such fun years because i just the optimism that i had at that at that age and that's what Young people, we've got to, We seem to forget as we get older that the optimism is always there with young people. That's what gets you through tough times. Yeah. And I always just had this um, ideology that just you've always got to be the dumbest person in the room, and then you know you're going to be learning. As soon as you're the smartest person, move to the next room.
0: And, and still now with the with your apprentices or people that you mentor.
1: Yeah, definitely. And even my own philosophy. Um, for me, that's why. I, I mean, I gave up the head chef role at View de Uh, to a younger person who'd been there, uh, worked at um, a place called Noma in Copenhagen, which is regarded as one of the best in the world. They were hungry and eager. And I was like, well, I need to then move into a new area where I can learn some new skills and start handing the reins over to someone else. And I think that when you were younger, um, the optimism that I had just gave me the energy to stay back and work an extra 10 hours. right? And, and work, work in that environment where, give me another job that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just completely hungry with uh, wanting to absorb as much knowledge as possible.
0: Mm. Um, so as a chef, you've had your brand and your name associated with different restaurants. Uh, you also have hospitality venues. And of course, you've had to learn the food business. Mm. And what are some of the lessons, the toughest lessons, and the business strategies for success? As in, what are the pillars now? Because the food industry's evolved; it's changed so much. And that has um, because the focus before there, there was fine dining, Michelin stars that were ever so important, and now you have people in food trucks, for instance, creating mm-hmm. quite an impressive name for themselves. Yep. So things, a lot of things have shifted and changed. What have been some of those lessons for you?
1: Well, I think the lessons for me when I first started were that because there was not much exposure on the internet, just the internet had just started, that I could just rely on word of mouth. Mm. I could rely on foodies and you could rely on two or three really good reviews in the newspaper. Now that's just simply not enough. Yeah. If you get a good review in the paper now, I mean, you really have to shout out from, from the hilltops that you've had a great uh, review because it's now about bloggers. It's about one potentially bad review can override 50. Yeah. Um, it seems that people are looking for more negative when they're looking at social media rather than positives. Mm. So it's harder to be heard when you're doing something really, really good. Mm-hmm. Much, much more challenging. Um, and then to have a fine dining restaurant because you've got these amazing food experiences at the more casual end means that you have to look more at design. You have to spend more money. And that's why I was saying earlier about the fact that I, I find it daunting for a young chef now that wants to replicate what I did with Eudemont because I did it with $70,000 Australian, which at the wow. time was, it was a lot of money wow. still, but it was actually cheap compared Looking to- Looking back
0: now, absolutely. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, now you'd need to, even $700,000 would not get you an experience because- what you have to do now is you have to create this experience that could be, I don't know, I've, I've heard about restaurants like Ultraviolet in Shanghai, which is actually set up in a film studio, and they use lighting as part of the experience, and they <laughs> beam down stories onto the table.
0: Yes, And then yes, change yes. each
1: course according to where yes. they are in the world. And, yes, we featured that, them
0: before, yeah. It's,
1: it's amazing, and that's what you're competing against now, to be at the top end of fine dining restaurants, because, mm. yeah, I mean, I see a food truck over there just opposite us now, right a shipping container with a pizza oven in it. It looks amazing, mm-hmm. and you're drawn to it straight away. Mm-hmm. So everyone knows now that you can get a great food experience having the best pizza possible or right at the other end of the spectrum where you're going to spend 500, which, which is for 5,000 rand, yeah. um, you know, on a food experience, and that is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to be spending that sort of money, your expectations are so much higher now.
0: 500 rand for food
1: experience? Uh, yeah, five, what is it? Because it's uh, $10... As a, I can't remember to the exchange a rand.
0: Rate. no, 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 ten rand to a dollar. Ten right. rand to a dollar, Just yeah, a that's dollar. right. Yeah, yeah.
1: so a, a food experience in Australia now at the top end with with alcohol mm-hmm. for two people is a minimum five hundred dollars.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Minimum <gasps> two hundred
1: fifty dollars per person.
0: That is shocking.
1: Yeah, that's that's what. That's, you
0: no, know no, oh, yeah. no, South Africa, we, 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 we're good. We're good. Let's yeah. keep this as it is. <laughs> Let's actually take a break. We're coming back with uh, more with Shannon Bennett. If you loved his contributions on MasterChef, do give us a call zero one one eight eight three zero seven zero two. I'm not going to hug him, and you can of course speak to him because he would um, bring on these dishes that had contestants sweating because of what uh, uh, of the challenge that he put in front of them zero one one eight eight three zero seven zero two. And I also wonder, would he be willing to be a judge in MasterChef Australia? Hmm. The Azania Musaka Show, live from the second annual appetite-based culinary experience. Endless entertainment. Well, it's 26 minutes past two. And joining me now is Shannon Bennett, one of the most loved Australia. (laughs) There's another word. (laughs) It kind of (laughs) just tagged itself at the end. Shannon Bennett, one of the most loved uh, chefs out of Australia. Of course, you know him as a mentor, as a guest judge on MasterChef Australia. It's 26 minutes past two. And we're wrapping up with him because he's off to do a couple of things on the program. Because at three o'clock, there is this demo that is coming up. What are you going to be calling? Cooking.
1: On the demo, we've got we're pretty ambitious. We've got three courses. I, oh. <laughs> um, well, one of, one of the dishes starting off with is a mushroom risotto, and um, it's one dish that you would never do. We call it the death dish on Ooh. MasterChef because risotto just never holds. And one of the questions I always get asked is, so when you're tasting the food, how does it all keep at uh, you know, temperature and what have you? And the reality of it is that we taste the food at room temperature, oh.
0: um, and we
1: also taste the food as we're going around each kitchen. Right. So you sort of get a sense of what's going on.
0: So does that change the experience? As in, does it represent the dish accurately when it's at room temperature? Um, or is the flavor flavours better? Are they better when it's warm?
1: It depends. I think Asian food uh, it sometimes has a benefit. And certain dishes like risotto, you just don't attempt because the texture changes, mm. the glugginess comes in. Mm. So you try and advise... The contestants about certain dishes and and you know the the conditions that they're working under to just avoid it so risotto is something that i love though cooking at home yeah and so i wanted to teach everyone a really what we call a quick fire mushroom risotto yeah and uh and then we're going to do a fish really nice uh fillet of fish um, local fish that is uh, cooked in a bag, um, so you can actually do it up in advance if you 've got a dinner party or something. sure, and uh, just go straight into the oven and you can actually serve it in the foil bag at,
0: mm-hmm. at, on the plate on the plate yes yeah, yeah. yes there 's um, a restaurant that actually used to do do the fish in banana leaves, yeah, so it would like, come to your plate you 'd have to unwrap it and then it steams yeah, that, yeah
1: those aromas that's what, mm. you know, that 's what you and that 's part of the theater of food and uh, you being involved at the table and I think the dinner party's starting to come back you know, yeah. people are loving that yeah. and yeah. Um, I, and then the next one is uh, a dish that Marco Pierre White taught me. It's um, an tartar tan. is an apple tartar tan, and, and it's one of the easiest desserts to cook, but also one of the closest desserts that you can get to a restaurant experience. and You can cook yourself. It's so but easy. At home, nice. yeah, And you're known it.
0: for your desserts.
1: Yeah, I love, I love desserts. It's one very- of those
0: signature, or one of those things, the hallmarks of. Shannon Bennett is 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 all about. Uh, so you're not going to do the iconic chocolate peanut bar. I mean, just the uh, way yeah, you poured that uh, chocolate. Over the dessert. It was like a piece of silk just draping. <laughs> Look, <laughs> iconic.
1: I, I want everyone that's coming in at three o'clock to uh, respect me, like me, and not throw anything at me with frustration <laughs> because um, it is a very complex dessert. And yes. the idea of that was to actually bamboozle as many of the contestants remaining because that right. was to get the final apron. Uh, I think it was season nine, the final apron for season nine. And mm-hmm. the idea was to make it as tough as possible to get that apron.
0: So would you be a judge?
1: No, no, no. I've been asked that um, several times and uh, been approached uh, officially about it. And it was just, look, I live in a very, very small town now. I moved from Melbourne uh, to bring my kids up. I've got six children and they're all young. I call them drunk midgets. They're all young. <laughs> and i just for me it was I, I wanted them to to grow up in a town and experience a childhood lot like i did right. and so we've moved um where it's close to the gold coast um a place called byron bay right and it's beautiful kids can ride their bikes to school they can do everything that uh, you, you can't now in melbourne it's, mm. it's grown too big too quickly and can't even get them to send them down on a bike uh, to get a bottle of milk these days and i want them to do that i want them to experience it so that i tried that in season 10 i tried to commute um, down to Melbourne each week. Mm-hmm. I found it extremely difficult and, and tiring and time-consuming. So that's why I gave up after season 10. You're
0: right. Yeah. Oh, what a pity. What a pity. Well, we wait to see what, what, what's going to happen with the franchise because you took what the English were doing and turned it into this incredible series that is a global success. And then, of course, South, African, as South Africa, we did our own, which was also hugely successful. But I think the Australians definitely gave it a different edge to the property?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I think We just... Because we're so enthusiastic about food and we're also... We, we're so international because, um, you know, Gary's from, from the UK, Matt being from the UK, George having a Greek background, um, Melbourne, where the show is based, has such a cultural diversity that... We accept pretty much and know every dish and embrace it with so much enthusiasm right. food. So, and then brings people together because international language yeah. food is one of the only things that we can go anywhere in the world and we can have some differences of opinion about certain things, and we can get over them very easy by talking about what your favourite dish is.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. What do you sign when you sign books? What do you say in there?
1: Uh, I normally say happy cooking. I just I think that cooking makes you happy, and I think that that's you should never attempt a dish. And be stressed. Like if you're having a dinner party and you're running around, that's just not the idea. You should mm-hmm. have a glass of wine, you should be taking things very, can you very smell easily.
0: The-
1: yeah, I can. It's already started. <laughs> it's yeah. been
0: teasing. Yeah. It's been kind of
1: everything's firing up.
0: Everything is firing yeah. up. Yep.
1: I'm really looking forward to the, the whole weekend Tonight's going to be amazing. And then the weekend, uh, apparently, it gets extremely busy here, extremely mm-hmm. exciting, great mm-hmm. atmosphere. Looking forward to having conversations with a lot of foodies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think, what could that be? Is it something on the uh, grill? I th-
1: no, I think it's a smoker. There's some smoker. chicken with different rubs, different spices. Just over there, from directly. the aroma. Yeah, and it's, it's blowing directly across to us.
0: Just so, from the aroma. Yeah. Shannon, thank you so much. My oh, pleasure. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. And enjoy the rest of Appetite Fest. Will do pleasure. That was uh, Shannon Bennett, and he's here throughout the weekend. And off he goes because he's got to prepare for uh, the chef demo that is happening in the theater with uh, Claire Allen as the host. And then at 5 o'clock, that wonderful experience of cooking alongside uh, a recognized South African or Australian chef. I think this is a fantastic touch to this food festival, Appetite Fest at Sun Arena, happening throughout the week.